0: Okay, hello, and welcome to a special bonus edition of Wiki Shuffle um, where we take a bit of a departure from our normal format. Um, and what we're going to do is every once in a while um, we're going to take it in turns to us, for us to each suggest a, um, a particular Wikipedia article that we found on our travels through Wikipedia that we think is particularly interesting that we can have a little bit of a conversation about so the random element has been taken away and this week has been Jack's turn um, to choose an article that he likes the look of and we're going to have a chatter about um, so my name is Philip Sharman and um, I'm hosting this week and I'm joined as always by Chris Wallace. Hello. And Jack. Hello. And we're going to take a look at a particular article um, that we've predetermined this week um, and that article will be...
1: This is one that I, I've i picked because A, because I think he is one of the most entertaining people of all time and B, because um, I know that neither of you are particularly big football fans.
2: Hmm. So no, I thought no, I would that's true.
1: share a bit of football knowledge and okay. try and get you enthusiastic about the oh, this is sport. What It's
2: about this little departure. So we can learn things it you is, want yeah, us to learn. Yeah,
1: you and Phil are both gonna bring in stuff that, that you really enjoy and we'll we'll discuss that. But yeah, I thought this was this is just an unbelievably entertaining man. Okay. Okay, so we'll, well see
0: what you think. Let's learn a little bit about Robin Friday. Robin Friday who I've never heard of nope. before. No idea. Robin Friday, um, who lived from the 27th of July 1952 to the 22nd of December 1990, was an English footballer who played professionally as a forward for Reading and Cardiff City during a career that lasted four years in the mid 1970s. Born and raised in Acton, West London, Friday was scouted, but not retained, by four professional clubs during his teenage years. After appearing for local semi-professional sides in the Isthmian League, he joined Charlie Hurley's 4th Division Reading team in 1974. He quickly became a key player and helped Reading to win promotion to the 3rd Division during the 75-76 season. Friday's on-field performances were regarded as excellent and he won Reading's Player of the Year award in both of his full seasons there, as well as as being the leading goalscorer. However, his habit of unsettling opponents through physical intimidation contributed to a heavily tarnished disciplinary record. Friday was also known off the field for his heavy smoking, drinking, womanising and drug-taking.
2: He yeah, started off with such a glowing career, and I thought this is going to be one of those uplifting stories. That's but now, now we're back into the debt. And
1: um, there, there is a biography of him written, um, and it's uh, it's called "The Greatest Footballer You Never Saw." Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, his his tendencies certainly went a long way to um, to make sure that no one ever did see him. I think if he did stick at it, he would have perhaps been a household name. But, um, it wasn't to be, as we will discover.
0: So, yeah, we mentioned that he played for four teams throughout his youth career. Crystal Palace, Queen's Park Rangers, Chelsea and Reading um, in his youth career. And in his senior career, um, started with Walthamstow Avenue, moved to Hayes, then Enfield, then back to Hayes and Reading and Cardiff City, um, taking us through to 1977. Um, Okay, so looking at his actual life, Robin Friday and his twin brother Tony were born in Acton, West London on the 27th of July 1952. Around the age of 10, Friday possessed notable ball skills and, according to his father, could flick an orange up onto his neck, balance it there, and then let it roll back down his body and catch it on his foot. As well as football, Robin played cricket to a high standard, boxed and played tennis. Despite their many similarities and common interest in sports and football in particular, the twins were wildly different in academic terms. While Tony did well at school, Friday was uninterested and, according to his brother, was always bunking off, having birds around the park
2: (laughs) having a character
0: (laughs) he left school at 15 a year before tony and began training as a plasterer Uh, friday lasted two months as a plasterer before moving on to become a van driver for a grocery farm Uh, grocery farm grocery Grocery firm then a window cleaner his laid-back attitude and indifference was already clear in his father's words he didn't care (laughs) <laughs> it's a good quote there you really want to get a quote that just gets to the pinnacle of a person's being um, and that was it as far as his dad was he didn't care uh, Friday regularly stole by this time but despite numerous convictions did not go to a detention centre until he was 16 having been caught stealing Whoa,
2: he's not, This is this all before, happened before he was 16 this is
0: at 16 he was a plasterer before he was 16 a, a plasterer a van driver and a window cleaner um, and thief um, <laughs> <laughs> okay and um, Having been caught stealing what Tony recalled to be a car radio or something, he was released almost immediately because he suffered from asthma. How does that work? (laughs) I must bear that in mind. I suffer from asthma. I'm just going to
1: go wild now. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's fine. You will just get out of prison no matter what you do. I've got asthma. Well, never mind then.
1: (laughs) The 1970s, they did let you off with a lot back then, so... I don't think it, I don't think it would wash us uh, in this day and age.
0: However, after he reoffended three months later, he was sent to Feltham Borstal, where he served fourteen months. During his time there, Friday became stronger and fitter, and also starred for the Borstal football team. He- after his release Friday returned to Acton and met a local black girl named Maxine Dougal I'm not sure that's an important detail <laughs> yeah, it, kind of, it kind of is, it
1: kind of is. Um, We'll, we'll whom
0: get to that he, Whom he got pregnant The local controversy surrounding the interracial relationship It is a different time I it's forgot that it time. was a different time Yeah when um, people were stupid <laughs> yeah, The local controversy surrounding the interracial relationship caused the couple and their circle of friends to be isolated socially and even led to a physical attack on the whole group one night in an Acton public house. Despite this and the opposition by both sets of parents, Alf refused to even attend the wedding. They married, both aged 17. He's got a lot oh, in, he hasn't has, he? Yeah. This is
1: a 17 year old boy we're talking about. By 17, I had like. I not even done anything I'd, I'd had some wanks that was about all I had achieved by the time I was 17 he packed a lot in training to be a plasterer was that a euphemism
0: <laughs> 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 a daughter Nicola was born soon afterwards but Friday did not take his marital commitment seriously he didn't Can, care that's it, what his dad said <laughs> continuing to womanize, drink heavily and take narcotics. A friend who played for Walthamstow Avenue, a semi-professional Isthmian League club from North East London, took Friday along to training one day in early 1971. Friday played well enough for Walthamstow to sign him the same day on wages of £10 per week. Many of his new teammates were Asphalters. Is that how to pronounce that word? Asphalters. Asphalters. asphalters, um, From East London and Friday soon joined them in that trade because he... Hadn't done that yet. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so he's got a baby. Mm -hmm. He's got a wife. Uh He's got a drug problem. Uh He's an asphalter. Uh And he's been signed straight away by Walthamstow Avenue.
1: Despite his asthma. Despite his (laughs) asthma. (laughs) He joined West London
0: Club Hayes in December 1971 after scoring twice against them in an Isthmian League match. A near-fatal accident at work in July 1972 caused Friday to undergo extensive surgery while working on a roof in Lambeth. A hoist rope became stuck on the scaffold he was working on. The haze-forward attempted to free the rope, but fell and landed on a large spike. The spike went up through one of his buttocks through his stomach, and <laughs> narrowly avoided a lung. I'm going to read that again. The spike went
1: through one of his buttocks. Uh, what, the spike went up through one of his buttocks. Up through one, one of a, his buttocks, an yeah. Of the way it was going.
0: Through his stomach and narrowly avoided a lung. <laughs> not only was Friday strong enough to pull himself off the spike. I don't
2: care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are times when not caring comes in <laughs> useful. Mm-hmm. Not only was Friday strong enough to pull himself off the spike, he recovered from his injuries within three months and returned to the Hayes team in October 1972. Three months.
1: I have a mild foot injury that's been plaguing me for five months and I'm still complaining about it. Yeah. He had a spike go up his ass. You're not even taking the Hayes team's calls anymore.
0: <laughs> Friday was known at Hayes for his excessive drinking and on one occasion the team started a match a player short because Friday had not turned up. When
1: he finally arrived, 80 minutes after kickoff I, should, is, just, I should just say for, for like our American listeners that don't know football 80 minutes after kickoff, the match is only 90 minutes. <laughs> so that is very much at the end of that game, it that turns
0: <laughs> up. He finally arrived 80 minutes after kickoff. His intoxication was obvious, but he still sent, uh, but he was still sent onto the pitch <laughs> with the match still goalless. The opposition paid him little attention, and Friday scored a late winning goal.
2: <laughs> what? Go. What a man. <laughs>
0: Despite an approach from third division side Watford, the forward signed for Reading in January 1974 for £750. He had scored 46 goals in 67 appearances for Hayes over his two spells there, but during his three Isthmian League seasons had been sent off seven times. Again, you need to know a little bit of football to know just how impressive that is. 46 goals in 67 appearances is epic. Being sent off seven times in that same period is is just ridiculous
1: yeah I think the players that have been sent off most in the Premier League since that's been going so 20 odd years um, the most of the players have been sent off is maybe 10 or 11 times and most <laughs> of them will play for seasons and seasons so yeah to pack in 7 sending offs in that time is quite impressive
0: Hmm. or despicable is another word to use <laughs> yeah, it depends what side they're...
1: yeah sure I guess I guess
0: Friday signed as an amateur meaning that although he would be contracted to Reading he would also be able to continue appearing for Hayes and working as an asphalter in London he would train part time with Reading and play for their reserved team the guy's amazing there's not a picture I'll of just him just wait oh the pictures are coming later are they we've not I'm got... not
1: sure the pictures are but, but this is all just background exactly. <laughs> He's we've barely 20, started yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So his professional career then, all of this has just been, his heart's not been in it so far, mm-hmm. yeah. but this is his professional career. In Hurley's words, Friday trained like the, like he played. He had no other way of playing. His new manager even had to take him out of training on occasion because of the injuries he would inflict on his own teammates in his effort to win. <laughs> Friday's technical ability made him very popular among Reading supporters and press men alike. The Reading Evening Post reported of Reading's 4-1 victory over Exeter City on February 1974, Friday's first match as a professional, described his performance as sheer magic as he scored twice. The report also called Friday's first goal of the day glorious. He collected the ball wide on the left wing, took it past four Exeter defenders and then fired the ball low and hard into the opposite corner from the edge of the penalty area. Friday was conspicuous in his professional ranks for never wearing shin pads and for his (laughs) resistance to physical harm. No matter how badly he was hurt he would always get up and continue no matter how deep that spike went
2: (laughs) Wow
1: Not wearing shin pads, is just it's like not wearing a a helmet if you're riding a bike. If you fall over your head's going to get smashed It's the same on the football pitch. If anyone goes near your shins, they're likely to to suffer some serious damage. Why did he just not
2: like it? It's
1: just a hard man. He was just like, I don't need shin pads. My shins are indestructible. Okay, just a misguided hard man. <laughs> Despite his immediate impact on the
0: pitch and the upturn in Redding's form, Friday's off-the-field activities unsettled some of his teammates. Most tolerated his lifestyle because of his importance to the team, but some, particularly defender Tommy Yulden, were sceptical. He drank extremely heavily, favouring American Colt 45 malt liquor, and his antics during his drinking sessions caused many landlords to lose patience with him. (laughs) (laughs) For example, Friday was barred from Caversham's Crown Public House after he ended a night there leaping between the tables and dancing on the bar. The Boar's Head in Reading banned him on ten separate occasions. On one night, after the pubs closed, Friday and a friend, Rod Lewington, went to an all-night club called Churchill's where they could continue drinking when they entered friday wearing a long overcoat and hobnail boots walked onto the dance floor and removed the coat to reveal he was wearing nothing underneath <laughs> he then he then began to dance completely naked apart from the boots what a man okay. wow there's a there's a lot going on here <laughs>
2: there is i'd be shattered
1: <laughs> yeah that's the thing he's right so at the minute he's he's playing um well maybe after this but at this point he's not but There was that stage where he was playing for Reading, he was playing for Hayes, and he was an asphalter. That's Mm. three jobs. Yeah. And he had to. And fit in all the drinking and drug taking and womanising and (laughs) God knows what else. Naked dancing. Yeah, naked dancing. (laughs)
0: Although Churchill's, described by Lewington as the worst club that has ever been in Reading, tolerated such behaviour, the town's fashionable Snindlesham Mill nightclub did not, regularly barring Friday for his bizarre activities, including a dance he invented called The Elephant, which consisted of turning the pockets of his jeans inside out and undoing his flies to expose himself. (laughs) I can't imagine he was a very successful womanizer. I know that
1: (laughs) the name, the elephant, is perfect for that dance move.
2: (laughs) He's very clever, very sort of inventive.
0: Yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. He and his friends would regularly drink all day. Though he was able to exert some self-control, according to his friend Sid Simmons, Friday would obey Hurley's instructions not to drink 48 hours before each game. However, he would play his prized heavy metal records very loudly at any time of the day or night and take LSD with casual (laughs) indifference.
2: It's not possible to take LSD with casual indifference. Do you know, the thing I keep that's interesting about him is, at the beginning, his dad says, I don't care. And I thought, that's a bit harsh. But the further down we go, (laughs) I can't think of any other way to describe this man. (laughs) He does not care about anything. There's,
1: I'm kind of spoiling this bit because I think it's mentioned further down the the article, but I'm not sure if you know... um, the Super Fairy animal song, Man Don't Give a Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That is about Robin Froden.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Hurley attempted
0: to calm Friday down by moving him into an apartment above the football club's elderly ex-groundsman, but to no avail. Even if it was three in the morning, the first thing would be to get the music playing, Simmons later said. We had an old boy living below us, the ex-groundsman at Reading. He was coming up to 80, and he had a dog's life in that flat. Pounding music, people knocking on the door, girls throwing stones at the windows. Poor old sod.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Throwing stones at the windows, like a." (laughs) A horrible version of Romeo and
2: Juliet.
1: <laughs> <sighs> oh,
0: that was just one year. Right, 1974 to 1975. Reading finished the 73-74 season in sixth position, one place higher than the previous year. Friday underwent, underwent an operation to have tattoos removed from his fingers during the summer <laughs> break. <laughs> <laughs> and afterwards joined a hippie commune in Cornwall. (sighs) Neglecting to inform Reading of this latter decision, he was absent without explanation when training started for the next season, arriving only on the day of a closed-door friendly against Watford. Despite his lack of training, he far
2: outperformed the rest of the team. Unbelievable. I can't believe I have not heard of this man before.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I don't think... I think there's a lot of football fans out there who haven't heard of him. But he's—if you're talking sort of '70s, sort of glamorous footballers, womanizing, drug taking, drink uh, drinking, it's just George Best. Yeah, but George, but George Best, George, George Best is a pussy compared yeah. to this. Guy. Yeah,
0: where where were his finger tattoos? <laughs> well,
1: yeah, but this, said- this guy is like—he's joined a hippie commune, and at the same time, he could batter anyone. theres <laughs> you either one or the other. Normally, yeah. he can he can do both, and no one's going to touch him. By September
0: 1974, he was attracting the interest of First Division sides, Sheffield United and Arsenal. So he wasn't going unnoticed. Friday's behaviour on Reading away trips was unpredictable and erratic. No. But unsurprising. (laughs) In the words of teammate John Murray... Some of the things he did were funny, but other times were just mad. On the way back from one match, the team bus pulled over for Friday to go to the toilet, and on getting off the coach, the forward noticed that they were besides a cemetery. Friday jumped over the wall and stole some stone angels from a grave, intending to place them beside the club chairman, Frank Waller, who was sleeping on the coach. (laughs) When he returned, however, Hurley sternly told him that you must never, ever desecrate a graveyard. (laughs) That is one of the main rules, isn't it? Prompting him to obediently return the statues, he'd just not been told before. Wayne, write that down. (laughs) Put that in the book. On another occasion, Friday reacted to the news that a teammate had smuggled a girl into his hotel room by kicking the door in. (laughs) Later on the same night, he walked into the bar carrying a swan he had found on the hotel grounds.
2: (laughs) Is this real? This is real.
0: During an FA Cup tie away against Swindon Town on 23rd of November, Friday began to have trouble breathing and despite leaving the game for five minutes to recuperate with an inhaler, was eventually forced to come off for good, coughing violently. After recovering from what was reported to be a chest infection, he returned to the team on 28th of December, having missed four matches and marked his return with his side's only goal in a 3-1 home defeat to Stockport County. Reading dropped to 12th place on 6th of January 75 and were only three points above the re-election places. However, by the time they took on Workington at home on 3rd of February, they had risen to 10th. Reading won 3-0 with Friday scoring the third goal with a spectacular header. Diving the full length, barely a foot off the ground, Friday risked his life and limb to head home a truly memorable goal. He wouldn't have seen it as a risk. I mean, unless there was a massive spike underneath him. And even then... true to form he had to spoil things for himself by getting booked three minutes later (laughs) this victory marked the beginning of a run of six wins out of seven games after which the side was once again challenging for promotion into the third tier hovering between sixth and eighth place for the rest of the season by 11th of April promotion looked improbable but Friday was still overjoyed after scoring the last minute winner in Reading's 2-1 victory over Rochdale in celebration he ran behind the net and kissed a policeman (laughs) The policeman looked so cold and fed up standing there, he explained, (laughs) that I decided to cheer him up a bit. However, in the dressing room after the game, he said privately that he wished he hadn't done it because I hate coppers so much. (laughs) Reading eventually finished the 74-75 season in seventh place, five points behind the promoted teams. Friday was the club's top scorer for the season with 18 league goals and 20 overall and was voted player of the year. Why
2: has he been
1: sort of deleted from history? It was just Reading were not a big team back then. Hmm. Um and you'll you'll see he does he doesn't end up going on to Arsenal or a big team, so it's oh well, he just he was just never in the top division. I'm so not if- an
2: expert on narrative structure. But judging by the course of this, it doesn't end well.
0: It doesn't. There's no way that this can end well. Um, There's a there's a quote here from the Reading Evening Post match report um, of the thirteenth of September, nineteen seventy five. His face looks as though it had been trampled on by a rugby squad, and that was before the game. (laughs) Friday's explanation: "My missus hit me with a can of beans." Friday's fine form continued into the 75-76 season. After their 4-2 victory over Hartlepool United on on 23rd September, Reading were top of the fourth division, having won four games in a row. Friday, meanwhile, was the club's top scorer the next game was against Bournemouth on the 27th and although Reading won 2-1 Friday was sent off after 79 minutes by this time the forward was overwhelmingly popular among Reading's fans whom he had endeared himself by performing a lap of honour after each goal he scored (laughs) A vital fixture on 31st of March 1976 pitted fourth place Reading at home against Tranmere Rovers, who occupied third spot. Internationally experienced referee Clive Thomas took charge of the game. Friday, who had already scored 18 goals that season, <laughs> rose to the occasion with an effort that has been described by many sources as one of the greatest ever scored. And true to form, there are four different citations for that comment. Um, have you Are you familiar with that particular goal? Unfortunately, Jackie. I think
1: it might say um, it was not videoed because oh, it was back in those days and it wasn't in the course. top division, so there's no record of it. Only oh. only descriptions.
0: I want to see this man play mm. and heave himself off of spikes. <laughs> <laughs> With the score 2-0 to Reading, the goalkeeper Steve Death threw the ball to the right back, Gary Peters, who spotted Friday standing near the left-hand corner of the opposing penalty area. Peters passed high and diagonally across the pitch towards his forward, who jumped into the air and used his chest to cushion the ball and knock it into the air with his back to the goal, about 25 to 30 yards away from the net. As Friday landed, he ferociously powered the ball towards goal, kicking over his shoulder and turning after the ball had gone. The shot flew straight into the top right-hand corner of the net, stunning the crowd, players and Thomas, the referee, who put his hands over his head in disbelief. <laughs> I'll never forget it, Thomas recalled. <laughs> it was sheer ferocity of the shot on the volley over his shoulder. If it hadn't have gone into the top corner of the net, it would have broken the goalposts, <laughs> even up against the likes of Pele and Cruyff. That? Cruyff.
1: Yeah, showing your lack of football
0: oh, knowledge. There. I'm embarrassed. Um, even up against the likes of Pele and Cruyff, that rates as the best goal I have ever seen. Reading went on to win the game 5-0 when Thomas told Friday after the game that he had never seen a better goal. The London replied, "Really? You should come down here more often. I do that every week." <laughs> <laughs> the humility. <laughs> Reading moved to within one point of promotion on 19th of April 1976 with a 1-0 home victory over Brentford. Friday set up the game's only goal, beating three players before hitting the post with his shot. Ray Hiron scored from the rebound. Friday scored a powerful left-footed volley during the first half of a 2-2 draw away against Cambridge United two days later. The results secured third division football for Reading. At the celebratory dinner after the game, the Reading captain Gordon Cummings saw some fluted wine glasses and voiced his admiration. I wouldn't mind a few of them for home, he said. Give us a few minutes and I'll get them for you, replied Friday, <laughs> going around the dining room and picking them off tables. He stole a whole box full of the glasses which he managed to sneak out of the hotel and onto the team coach. But, much to Cummings' annoyance he then decided to keep them for himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <So. laughs> this guy's amazing
2: mm. but terrifying. I don't want to have ever I actually want to met be his him. best friend. The, no that you, you want someone like that who is your friend. You want someone like that? Uh, no. Oh yeah, I would love to have him as my best friend. I, yeah. I I'm happy being aware of the exploits from a, as far a
0: distance yeah, as possible.
1: Yeah, I, I think me and Phil are both sort of we we keep out of scary places, but you I you enjoy that. scary pubs. And... Embrace the darkness. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He'd feel welcome home with some of the pubs I go to.
1: He would, yeah. He'd probably steal from them and <laughs> I don't know, piss off of the roof.
2: <laughs> doing the <outfit. laughs> yeah. yeah
0: after Reading were promoted Waller met with the players on 4th of June 1976 to discuss their contracts for the 76 to 77 season the wages offered to the Reading players were far lower than they had been expecting causing the team's morale to fall drastically we got screwed by the club midfielder Eamon Dunphy later claimed we didn't get what we had been promised Friday was so offended by the low salary offered that he handed in a transfer request telling the evening post that the club's directors clearly did not share his ambition. They would be happy to stroll along in the bottom half of the third division forever, he said. The row over the new contracts continued throughout the off-season while Friday planned his second wedding. He had been formally divorced from Maxine after years of separation and subsequently engaged to Lisa, Liza Dymel, a Reading-born university graduate. After the pay dispute was settled on 5th of August, the couple were married in Reading three days later. The wedding was filmed by Southern Television Before whose cameras Friday wearing an open necked tiger skin pattern shirt, brown velvet suit, and snakeskin
1: boots? It was the 70s.
2: (laughs) Even then.
0: (laughs) Even then. (laughs) My parents were married in the 70s, and I'm pretty certain that that didn't happen.
1: No brown velvet suit.
0: No brown velvet suit. Love one, though. Yeah, I like that. Um. Friday wearing an open neck tiger skin patterned shirt, brown velvet suit and snakeskin boots, sat on the steps of the church and rolled a joint. <laughs> Friday had invited about 200 people, mostly friends and relatives from London, who joined in the drinking and drug taking and ended up fighting each other and stealing the couple's wedding presents) <laughs> <laughs> One of which was a large quantity of cannabis. <laughs> Liza Except later wedding, called really? the wedding the most hilarious thing ever. I've been to a few weddings, recalled Rod Lewington, but never one like that.
2: Yeah,
1: reasonable comments like You wouldn't expect anything else from um, anything less from him.
2: <laughs> I'd love to see their wedding list. Mm.
1: <sighs> oh, okay. One big band of cannabis, <laughs> some LSD that I can take casually, <laughs> a spike remover. <laughs> Later,
0: 1976. "'He lost his way when we got promotion,' Hurley later reflected. "'He really must have celebrated all through the summer.'" Because he hadn't been celebrating much up until this point. it has been quite solemn. Yeah. Friday reported back for pre-season training in bad condition, and although Hurley claimed that Friday was trying hard to regain fitness, the forward was having trouble with his asthma, had lost some of his pace, and was obviously unfit. Although his performances during August quickly improved, they were still not up to his previous standard, and the Evening Post revealed on the 30th that Reading were preparing to sell him to a First Division club. Hurley was by now aware that the forward was using drugs and attempted to keep his players' habit a secret while he patiently worked to bring him back round. However, Friday began to regularly miss training and Hurley's subtlety was misinterpreted as inaction by other Reading players who became unsettled and complained about Friday's conduct. The club became increasingly minded to sell him, but although top flight clubs, Queen's Park Rangers and West Ham United were interested, they were reluctant to buy because of Friday's temperament. In Down's words, they were sure they could not they weren't sure they could handle him. By the end of October 1976, Hurley had given up on attempting to rehabilitate his player, believing that the only solution was to sell him to a bigger team. Friday was made available for transfer at his own request on the 28th of October. Reading's asking price stood at £50,000 and the first transfer offer came from second division side Cardiff City around mid-December. Cardiff boss Jimmy Andrews bid £28,000, only half his offer a year before, which Reading's directors accepted, wanting the troublesome player off their hands as quickly as possible. Friday was reluctant to go to the Welsh club, saying that it was too far from home, that he wanted to go to a first division team and that he wanted more money than was being offered. However, when Hurley told him that unless he went to Cardiff he would be released... He agreed and travelled to Wales in December 1976.
2: Oh, I'm starting no. to feel this the, the decline now, and yeah, I can feel them going a bit. There's an arc. Yeah. There's
0: an arc that we feel that we, yeah. we might
2: yeah. be. Yeah. It, yeah, I think this down. would be, This would make a great film. Oh yeah, that's what I've been thinking all the way through. The most obvious thing would be to like it. Get- Tom Hardy or someone to do it but he yes. does so many of these Yeah, things. that's because Cardi
0: is the, Hardy is the most obvious casting choice for just about any really role that is. might be going especially if
2: like the for, things like this yeah, yeah for
0: any man aged between 25 and 50
2: you he would want like to the, cast the, Tom Hardy he's like the rich man's Vinnie Jones It's like <laughs> yeah. if you want someone like Vinnie Jones but better you'd get him
1: I think he could yeah he could do a good job um, but it, I mean the only problem is that none of this feels realistic at all so, you'd be watching the film thinking, oh, come on. Uh, yeah. Do it exactly really.
2: like how Tom Hardy did it in Bronson. It is yeah. just silly. It'd be brilliant. I'd love that film.
1: On arrival at Cardiff
0: Central Railway Station, Friday was arrested by the British Transport Police for having travelled from Reading with only a platform ticket. Andrews bailed his new player out of police custody and took him to Ninian Park to sign the contract. Despite the manner of Friday's arrival, and although he knew there had to be something wrong with him, the Cardiff manager... That's in quotes. (laughs) The Cardiff manager was still happy with his purchase, describing the £28,000 transfer as an absolute steal. After a long night of drinking the night before his Cardiff debut, Friday lined up against Fulham on 1st of January 77. The Fulham defence included former England captain Bobby Moore, but Friday marked his first match for the Welsh club with two goals. He also squeezed Moore's testicles during the game as Cardiff (laughs) won 3-0.
2: You would, wouldn't you? If
1: (laughs) if you get the chance. (laughs) You're next to an England captain. There's actually a a very famous... um, Picture of, I think it's Paul Gascoigne squeezing, uh, I think it's Vinnie Jones' testicles. Where you're probably not going to want to do that, but no, but no, Robin Friday did it first.
2: It was the other way around, it's Vinnie Jones squeezing. Is that right? Yeah, 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 because he's got an angry face on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Paul Gascoigne never had an angry face, he had a stupid face.
1: He had a stupid face. In in a way, (laughs) Robin Friday is kind of halfway between Gascoigne and and Vinnie Jones. He's
2: somewhere in the middle, he's like if they they combined them, yeah, he's he's got the
1: stupidity and habits of Paul Gascoigne, but also the terrifying nature oh, of Vinnie James. James. Yeah.
0: And the uh finger tattoos of a third man (laughs) Andrews was so happy with Friday's performance that he phoned Hurley two days later on Monday morning, oh Charlie Andrews gushed, he was magnificent he tore them inside out, Moore was chasing him all over the place the Cardiff manager continued to heap praise on his new acquisition until Hurley finally stopped him, Jimmy you've only had him for four days He warned, give it a few months Which sounds like sage advice. <laughs> Friday's form declined after his strong debut and his personal life remained troubled and chaotic, leading him to vanish regularly and miss Cardiff matches. He was supposed to be living in Bristol, but his manager would often find on visiting his house that he had been elsewhere for weeks. Leslie Hamilton, the Cardiff club doctor, said that he had believed at the time that Andrews was being far too soft on Friday. Indeed, according to teammate Paul Went, the forward would simply leave after each match and not be heard of until he returned for the next game he wouldn't even bother to have a shower Went later said in an interview he'd just get dressed, take his carrier bag with his dry martini and he'd go no explanation he didn't care he didn't care, his dad was right (laughs) somewhere throughout the whole of this he's got a twin brother who I like to imagine is working as a neurosurgeon
1: (laughs) it has to be you've got twins don't trust those (laughs) surgeons
0: While Hurley had been able to command Friday's respect, it soon became clear that Andrews was unable to control him and the Londoner disliked his new manager. Indeed, soon after moving to Cardiff, Friday appeared one day in Hurley's office at Elm Park, asking to come back to Reading. He still called me boss, Hurley recalled. I can't play for that little bastard. (laughs) Friday told Hurley, referring to Andrews. You're the one who seems to be able to get me right. Can I come back to you? Hurley replied that although he would be happy to have Friday back on the team, the club could not afford to repay the £28,000 transfer fee to Cardiff, so he'd have to go back and continue playing there. Unhappy living so far from home, Friday began to travel back to London at weekends. He avoided paying rail fares by knocking on locked toilet doors and shouting tickets please, pretending to be the ticket inspector. When the occupant passed his ticket under the door to be checked, Friday would pick it up, walk off and use it for himself. Which is pretty genius. It's genius but it's a
1: shitty thing to do. It really is. for,
0: for a man who's quite well off, you'd yeah. imagine. <laughs> Paul Went also recalled an incident during training when he had thrown a ball out from goal and accidentally hit Friday on the back of the head. A player standing near the forward started laughing, leading Friday to conclude that he had thrown the ball. Friday viciously punched the laughing player in the jaw, striking him with such force that he wore a neck brace for two <laughs> weeks afterwards.
1: Shouldn't be funny, but it is. <laughs>
0: Late in Friday's first season with Wales, Cardiff took on Luton Town on 16th of April, 77. Cardiff were in the relegation zone and had not won in seven games, while Luton were in fifth place in the table and challenging for promotion. After clashing repeatedly early in the match with Luton goalkeeper Milia Aleksic, Friday was lectured by the referee for a high tackle in the 36th minute. Friday held out a hand to apologise, but Aleksic reacted angrily. And when the kick was taken, Friday ran back, stole the ball from Luton defender John Fulton broke away rounded Alex- Alexic and slotted the ball past him into the net in celebration Friday turned towards the goalkeeper and gave him the V sign which <laughs> is
1: him uh, giving the goalkeeper the V sign is the uh, the cover for the Super Fairy Animals song um, it was the cover on the single is it
0: ah, uh, makes
2: sense
0: now. um Cardiff won the match 4-2 and at the end of the season avoided relegation to the third tier only on goal difference. Meanwhile, without Friday, Reading, Reading were relegated back to the fourth division by one point. Friday's actions became even stranger during this time at Cardiff. After they lost the second leg of the Welsh Cup final 3-0 to Shrewsbury Town on the 18th of May, the players and staff were awoken in the middle of the night by loud bangs coming from below their rooms. The cause was found to be Friday. Standing on the hotel snooker table in its underpants and throwing the balls around the room in fury <laughs> i assume the snooker balls <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't doing and he was at least other wearing other. his pants so some would say that that's a step
1: forward
2: mm. Mm. yeah he's made pretty is that, is that progress i don't know
1: that's the the little bit of redemption before it all falls apart Oh,
0: this has all taken place in such a short period uh, of time. It's still the 70s. Still, yeah, still yeah. 77, so 78, is, we're about we're to get one. to. This is 77. After failing to turn up for pre-season training with Cardiff before the 77-78 season, Friday was reported to be in a London hospital suffering from an unknown virus, which had caused him to lose two stone in weight. When he suddenly appeared in Cardiff for training in October, two months into the season, he claimed to have been suffering from hepatitis, but medical tests disproved this. Yeah, it's hepatitis, probably. (laughs) (laughs) The Londoner returned to the team for the away match at Brighton and Hove Albion on 29th of October, with Cardiff once again in the relegation zone in 20th place on goal difference.
1: This is the best, the best part of Robin Friday's career and life. This is beautiful. This is poetic.
0: Okay. Um scared to read on Friday was marked during the game by Mark Lawrenson who was so frustrated the Cardiff forward
1: sorry just um, do we really know Mark Lawrenson uh, the, the pundit yeah he's a yeah, he's a, a pundit on the TV and he's just a total end. is he the one with the long hair longish hair mm, he did uh, no no that's, him that's not him of? I don't know who, that, who you're thinking of yeah, okay. all you need to know is he's a bit of a dick
0: Okay. Yeah. Friday was marked during the game by Mark Lawrenson, who who so frustrated the Cardiff forward with his close attention that Friday waited for Lawrenson to attempt a slide tackle and then kicked him in the face. <laughs> After receiving a red card, Friday left the ground with the game still going on. According to legend, before leaving, he broke into the Brighton dressing room and defecated in Lawrenson's kit bag. Cardiff eventually lost 4-0. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of it, Andrews told the South Wales Echo on 1st of November. To be sent off in his first game back is as much as a man can stand. Friday was transfer listed and served a three-match suspension before making his final appearance on the 10th of December in Cardiff's 6-3 away defeat against Bolton. Lisa was by now the mother of Friday's second daughter, Arabella, but around this time began divorce proceedings. Friday claimed that he'd had enough of people telling him what to do and walked into Andrews' office on 20th December 1977 to announced that he was retiring from professional football the club promptly released him and cancelled his contract
1: yeah the end of his footballing career that's but it. at least he got to shit in Mark Lawrence's kit bag before the end because that's, that's what everyone had wanted to do
0: Post-retirement, after retiring, Friday moved back to London and returned to work as an asphalter and decorator. Soon after Friday left Cardiff, Reading manager Morris Evans was presented with a petition signed by 3,000 supporters requesting that he attempt to re-sign Friday. Evans contacted Friday and told him, if you would just settle down for three or four years, you could play for England. Friday replied with the question, how old are you? And after Evans answered, continues, I'm half your age and I've lived twice your life fact point true Evans reflected you may well be right (laughs) Friday trained with Brentford during the 78-79 pre-season but after regaining his fitness suddenly changed his mind and stopped coming to training he married for a third time in 1980 but was divorced again within three years after a short time living back with his parents in Acton Friday's family secured him a housing association flat in the area he served prison time during the 80s for impersonating a police officer and confiscating people's drugs
1: that's, you know that's, it's it's sad that he can be he's so talented that he can turn up to football matches you know in like the, the second division and he can play amazingly well and score goals that are better than Croy from Pele have all that talent and yet he has to get his family to secure him a housing association um, flat just years after his uh, retirement from football
0: it's sad. It is. He was found dead in his Acton flat That's on sadder. December 1990 at the age of just 38, having suffered a fatal heart attack. Biographer Paolo Hewitt claimed the incident to be the result of a suspected heroin overdose. Mm. So, so it's, I mean, it's a funny story,
2: but it's a yeah. tragic one. It is tragic, exactly. really, yeah.
1: yeah. Clearly just but completely off the wall from day one. and You, you, you just... can
2: tell right from the beginning. There was no way that was going to end well. No. It was always going to end
1: I mean, it's the same. We we have seen that with with football players quite a lot. With, yeah. I mean, I hate to speculate, but we all know that Gazza's going to end, meet that sort of end at some point soon. You, um, unless well, he cleans his yeah. act up. George well, Best be fair, as well. He does.
2: He does look a lot better than he did last year. So he you do know. Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully not. But um, you know, the way the way it has been going, it does look likely. Yeah. It's,
0: it's certainly traditionally and in this kind of period, it was a lifestyle that was quite far removed from the modern game in, in mm-hmm. terms of professionalism especially Absolutely, you'd find be hard pressed to imagine a modern footballer being able to possibly well, they, they wouldn't and that's
1: yeah it's better because footballers these days are, are athletes they are incredibly fit you have to be so fit to be anywhere near the top level uh-huh. um but because of that, you do lose a lot of the characters in the game. Even in the '90s, the game was mm-hmm. packed full of cal- uh, characters. But these days, it's just more of a sort of a, a very everyone's very similar. There's no and because it's the, just a shame. The
2: stats are so pinpoint accurate. You, it's like it's like any, it's like Formula One to a certain extent. Yeah, but it's at that top level. And so you have to be that damn good you can't to, to go that. on benders and do this and that and the other and maintain that level anymore then they are probably all doing the same thing he just had that talent and was yeah. able to pull it off now if you put him in club football when he was at his prime then now he wouldn't stand a minute no. couldn't, couldn't do nine minutes
1: no it's um, yeah, it was a, just a different time you could get away with it but
2: not this but nowadays. it was a fascinating story
1: I so there's, that there's more
2: He's, not, oh, he's dead though he's dead yeah. <laughs> there's, just,
1: there's just more there's, sort of biographical bit. yeah
2: there's some stuff about his
0: legacy here and I think it, it's worth doing because um, he's obviously earned our respect a little
2: in <laughs> some ways yeah like, Yeah.
0: I want there to be a, an, another word for respect sort of anti-respect Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> he's, an, he's an anti-hero
0: really isn't He he's very, very much an anti-hero yeah. uh, Friday is widely widely regarded I'm going to do that again because I've read a lot
1: now my mouth's starting to get a bit yeah mine as well and I'm not even reading
0: Friday is widely regarded as an unsung talent. A latterly applied nickname, the greatest footballer you never saw, was used as the title of his 1997 biography, co-written by Oasis bass player Paul
1: McGuigan and Hewitt. Uh, and that is a great book. I've read no, that. It's, it's really good. Worth um, reading because there's a lot of extra stuff. Obviously, this is just a Wikipedia article. This is just skimming the surface. But he had many more, many more um, adventures. It's, it's, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm, you'd probably be able to get it on Amazon for like 0. 0.0. Yeah, like one pence most uh, second-hand books on Amazon, so definitely worth checking out.
0: Both as a player and a personality, Friday remains a major figure for both of his professional clubs. Cardiff-based band Super Furry Animals used a photograph of him giving the V sign to Alexich in 1977 for the artwork of their 1996 single, The Man Don't Give a Fuck, which was dedicated to his memory and his stand against the man.
1: And that's a great single as well. It
0: is a fantastic single. I'm, I, um, I I enjoy it very much. And I didn't know the the I story behind no it. I did who
1: this man was. Um, this, he, uh, <coughs> that song brings together three of my loves: super Animals, uh, Robin Friday, and it's it samples a Steely Dan track as well. It's like, it's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
0: after winning the title of player of the millennium from reading in 1999 and you know that's a thousand years worth of players so impressive yeah um he was voted the top all-time cult hero for both reading and cardiff in a 2004 bbc poll with similar polls taking place at each premier league and football league club he was the only player to appear in the top three for two different sides Friday was ranked first in Channel 4's list of Football Bad Boys in August 2007, while Football 365 placed him at 8th place in a 2010 list of Wasted Talents. Friday's style of play was based around his exceptional ball skills, described by Cardiff doctor Leslie Hamilton as absolutely fabulous, and his instinctive... I don't know why Cardiff doctor Leslie Hamilton is a trusted source there, but um, he... That's a good point, yeah. (laughs) And his instinctive footballing vision, which enabled him both to execute flamboyant individual moves and to create attacks for his teammates. Jimmy Andrews, his manager at Cardiff, later called Friday the complete centre-forward, and placed him on a par with Alan Shearer, while Morris Evans claims he could have played for England and was at least on a level with international strikers he worked with, such as John Aldridge and Dean Saunders. Reading FC historian David Downs described Friday's style of play as really quite bizarre. It was more or less Robin standing in the middle of the field and saying, give me the ball and I'll see what I can do with it which seemed to be pretty much his approach to Mm -hmm. everything he ever did. Yeah, I'll have a go at that now. (laughs) On receiving the ball, he would then turn and either take on the opposing defence single-handed or run with it to the wing and cross it for a teammate. We didn't need anyone else up front, Hurley later said. They couldn't get the ball off him. He was one of those guys who could beat five players easily. Andrews agreed. Once he'd got the ball, it was almost impossible to get it off him. Friday was known for giving it his all in any game in which he played, no matter the circumstances. Hurley later said that Friday would often become furious at his teammates for not trying their best, even in training. The same training he rarely turned up for, (laughs) is that right? (laughs) (laughs) This strong drive to always win even extended to the use of physical intimidation to unsettle opposing players, leading contemporary critics to label him a villain. Friday believed he was justified to chase victory by any means. Explaining his attitude in a 1977 interview, on the pitch I hate all opponents. I don't give a damn about anyone. People think I'm mad, a lunatic. I am a winner. There
2: you go. And there we are. Which is a, a, a fitting epithet. That isn't was it? a very interesting tale. Of a very interesting man.
1: Yeah, I, I think you should read the book. I would.
2: It's really good. I also want to watch the film.
1: Yep, yeah, if a film is ever made. and I think it should, yeah. Even just as a BBC one-hour sort of... It's a perfect
2: football story that I've never heard of before. There you
1: go. Yeah, it's got everything in there. It's funny, it's tragic, it's exciting, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's got everything.
2: My favourite bit was when he robbed the graves... (laughs) You must never, ever desecrate a graveyard. I've never had anyone tell me that
0: before. No, most people don't need to be told. But um, it's just the matter-of-factness of of it all. Uh, No, that was wonderful. Thank you very much, Jack, for bringing that to our attention. Um, This will be something that we do occasionally, and um, hopefully we will find other articles that are as... um, multifaceted and thoroughly um, interesting and enlightening like that one was um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did um, we'll be back to our normal scheduled programming um, and um, back on Tuesday with another regular episode of WikiShuffle, in the meantime um, do look us up on um, Facebook, look us up on Twitter at Pod, um, and you can also visit our website uh, wikishuffle.co.uk um my name's philip and i was joined by chris and
2: jack oh nope <laughs> <laughs> hello i just keep that in i've gone on autopilot do you want to do that again nope okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hello <blue>. and goodbye <laughs> <laughs>